have someone from the um, ministries that we are highlighting for Advent come and speak about the ministry um, that we are raising support for. So this week, our week is Food for Kids. I'm not sure if many of you have heard about that, but it's an awesome ministry that I am able to um, help with and go down and be with Miss Sheila. So this morning, I wanted to um, have her come up and just kind of share about what Food for Kids is so that everyone can learn about that and just kind of meet her because she's an amazing woman. So I know she's worked hard to prepare some things. If you want to come up, Miss Sheila. And this is her husband, Mr. Kinsey, too. Good morning. Happy holidays, everyone. Giving honor to God and um, who is the head of my life and to a compassionate, God-fearing man of God, Pastor Bob Miller, also, women of God, Sister Stacy Kearns and Sam Donahue, Sister Amy Trishan and Sister Barbara Lawrence, and all the Wellspring Church who has shared their love, gifts, and money and time with food for kids. God bless you. I won't be before you long. I just want to share what food kids, who food kids is, what we do, and what's to come. Uh, this is my husband, Kenzie, who's, uh, we are founders for Food for Kids. And would you like to say anything, Kenzie, before I kick on? I, I just like to say we thank you all very much for the invitation. And we pray that uh, God be with us all. Amen. The story of Food for Kids is we are a nonprofit organization that feeds kids free sack lunches the day school is out until school returns back from the summer. We prepare 150 lunches a day for the St. Joseph Midtown community. This would be our 10th year if the Lord grant us life next year. Food for Kids. Um, have been blessed with all types of children from all walks of life, from all nationalities. And we just thank God for you all really uh, being part of this ministry. It is an overwhelming ministry, and it takes all and each and every one of you all to help us uh, go forward. Food for Kids is interested um, in children who've been abused, neglected, hopeless, and have not, and just really hungry. We started off uh, just having a picnic on the side of the street, and five sisters and brothers came along, wanted to know what were we doing on the street, sitting in the truck, eating. And we found out that they were hungry, so they sent the eldest to the youngest, to come back and forth to the truck asking us for food. So eventually we end up giving up our lunch uh, to these children, and when we saw the young one take the banana that we gave them and broke it into five parts, it really broke our heart. And that's when we went out into the community to ask the pastors, uh, different pastors in the Midtown area, could we use their ground to prepare lunches for these children that we didn't know? 
Uh, God, didn't, we did not want to do this ministry. Uh, Kenzie is a carpenter, a plumber, and an electrician, and I am a licensed barber. I'm very active in my church, and I'm mobile, so I stay busy. And um, there's other passions that I have, but feeding kids was not one of them. But when God have a plan for you, his plan is never your plan. So um, Food for Kids, that's the story of Food for Kids. So this year, Food for Kids is interested in installing physical apparatus for physical activities, such as handrails so kids uh, can be created a small rock wall that stands 10 to, tw- 10 to 12 feet tall with mats to keep them from injuries, tires that you see athletes use for physical training. These physical activities limit their opportunity from drug activities and keep them from being so hyperactive. We have a lot of hyperactive children, and you cannot treat other people's children the way you treat your own. Also... We have children that has never been to camp, and Food for Kids would like to have a conference next year. We have decided that we're going to call some outside people in, and we do a lot of street ministry. If you ever see the Lord want us to get to the people who is not saved and who don't want to be saved and who don't want to hear about Jesus. Those are the ones the Lord wants us to bring in. So by us doing a lot of street ministry, people have got comfortable with us, but they have nowhere to go for someone to minister to them and care about them. They they do not want to hear Jesus loves you. It's more than that. So we have to bring in our sisters and brothers because those are people who Jesus want us to love on. And I'm sure Stacy and Sam know a lot about that one. Uh, we, um, we lack uh, impact of voice that we have for God's people on the streets, uh, such as poverty, hungry, Pill popping. We have a lot of young people pop pills because you can't smell a pill. And uh, we know something is wrong. We just can't figure it out. Domestic abuse with kids and mostly hurt. So I'm willing to be an advocate and we need you all to be there beside us. We invite you all to come out. We need you to come out. It is necessary that you come out and visit these children and look at them because I have to remind you that uh, you was once kids and many of you have kids the same age we serve. So there's a connection between you and the kids that we serve daily. Our mission is to educate, entertain, and inspire food for kids. And our Mission again is, Satan, we're going to tear your kingdom down. This concludes our effort, and this is the song that I have. If I can help somebody as I travel along, if I can help With a word or a song, if I 
living shall not be in vain. Amen. Thank you. All right. Miss um, Sheila and Mr. Kinsey are so absolutely amazing. And last year, um, the interns and I got to go down there almost every day and just be able to hang out with the kids and her. And singing like that happens every day. So please come on down um, and help this summer. Um, but also to keep Food for Kids going, just it's a financial um, commitment that us as Wellspring, we commit to them every year. And what we do is we provide chips for every day of the five days of the week. And then um, usually Fridays, we provide the whole meal, the whole 150 um, meals for the kiddos. And then also, Sheila didn't mention this, but they do this amazing thing. The first Friday of every November, they have a turkey drive. And she collects turkeys and all the sides for like stuffing and cranberry sauce, everything for Thanksgiving. And she hands that out to the community as well um, so that they're able to have meals. So we also help with the turkey drive as well. And this year we're trying to raise $5,000 to be able to help that um, and keep that going. So how this works in the back, if you saw the um, wonderful decorations that Karen did. Um, there's a mailbox and there's envelopes to say food for kids. If you would like to donate um, to this ministry, if you'll please put your money in here. Um, and if you do a check in the memo line, if you write food for kids, and then please place that back in the offering box. So don't put it back in the um, mailbox. It has to go in the offering box, and then they'll count it and get all of that. So, yeah, just thank you so much. Um, and Sheila and Kinsey, we are so honored that you came today. Thank you. Well, I've already made the executive decision that Nick Kodeman and Jake Davis have been fired from the worship band. <laughs> Sheila, you're our new lead singer. Are you in? I'll take that as a yes. Well, thank you, Sheila and Sam and Kinsey, for being with us this morning. As Bob talked about last week during the season of Advent, we as a church are kind of trying to rethink the way that we celebrate and engage in Christmas, especially living in a culture that is pretty obsessed with being consumers and spending a lot of money on things that honestly most of us don't even need. And so I really, really challenge you guys to pray and consider and even sit down with your families. My wife and I sat down the other day and had a conversation about maybe how Christmas could look differently with the way that we spend our money and our resources to cut back a little bit on some unnecessary things like that ugly sweater that Cousin Eddie doesn't need, that you think he needs. Cut back on some things like that So we can give money to ministries and people who are going to make an eternal difference, kind of like food for kids. And with today being the first Sunday of Advent, it's obvious it looks a lot different in here. The church looks beautiful, and this does not happen by accident. This takes a lot of work, so I want to just give a thanks to Karen Hind, um, Sarah DeGarmo, Dave Dave Dudek, Matt Robertson, Tracy Seward, and like 25 other people that I'm missing. So can we give them a round of applause? And throughout the sanctuary, we have giant Christmas cards up here in the front, 
in the back, some of them being created right before our eyes, which is pretty awesome. And as most of you know, during this time of year, a lot of us send Christmas cards to our loved ones, right? To friends and family to let them know that we're thinking of them, that we love them, and perhaps that we miss them if they live far away from us and we don't get to see them very often. And the parallel of these giant cards to Advent is that God's Word is the ultimate Christmas card. God's Word is the ultimate love letter. It's His love letter to humanity that tells us how much He cares for us and loves us. Advent is a season of waiting and anticipation. And right now, most of the cards up here, besides this one, look pretty dull. They're just black and white and pretty bland. But as he continues painting each week, more color and life will be added to these paintings. And progressively, the paintings will come more alive just as Christ continues to come more alive in our hearts. And this morning we have the opportunity to discuss just for a few minutes the hope of what the message of Christmas brings, the hope. What is so significant about Christmas? Surely it's more than just gifts, cookies, and Hallmark movies, right? Some of you ladies might argue with the Hallmark, especially my wife. Any guys been suckered into watching every Hallmark movie the last year? I feel it. Yes, I can relate. I've actually grown to like them, so whatever, for what that's worth. So what's the true hope of the message of Christmas? And before we can answer that question, we have to understand the reality of our world. And the reality of our world is that we live in a dark place. There's no questioning that. This world can be very, very dark. I don't think I have to convince you of that at all. The evening news has been telling that story every day since we've been alive. And a resource that Pastor Bob and I are going to be referring to a lot throughout this Advent season, these next four weeks, is Tim Keller's book, Hidden Christmas. And in his book, Keller shows that the word darkness in the Bible, refers to both evil and ignorance. Evil and ignorance. Think of the evil. Consider what was going on in the world when Jesus was born. There was violence, corruption, injustice, separated families, poverty, fleeing refugees. Do those sound familiar? Sounds a lot like the world that we live in right now. And another way the world is in the darkness is because none of us, not one human being that has ever lived, born of man, has been able to cure the pain and brokenness around us. Not one of us. We have tried, mankind has tried since the beginning of time to fix ourselves and alleviate the pain and suffering out of our own strength and out of our own resources, and it has not panned out too well for us. And we're going to look at a passage in Isaiah 8 here in a second that paints a painfully accurate picture of this after describing people who, instead of turning to God, turn to magicians and psychics to seek help. Here's how it describes these people. It says, Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. They will look toward the earth. In other words, they will set their eyes on only the things that they 
can see, looked to themselves for help. Instead of turning their hearts vertically to the Creator, they looked horizontally to themselves and to the people around them to cure and fix this pain and suffering and aching that they experience and each of us experience every single day. And they believe the same lie that we believe. The lie that tells us that we can fix ourselves. The lie that tells us that if we just tweak our life a little bit, if we go to church a little more, get involved in more things, give a little more money, then somehow the pain will be alleviated a little bit. And it is a lie. And this lie fleshes itself out in numerous ways in our life. For me, personally, the way that I try to fix my life, fix my pain, especially in regards to my relationships, is if I have a relationship with someone that's strained or just broken and just messed, I just know there's a lot of tension and there's some things that need to be resolved, I always try to use my smooth words or eloquent speech to defend myself or to show them that I'm the one that's in the right and they're the ones that are wrong. They are the ones causing the problem. Because God often, he moves a lot slower than I prefer. Anyone ever experienced that? He moves a lot slower than I prefer, and so I take matters into my own hands, and it usually doesn't pan out too well. It causes more strife and more division, and I hurt people more. And here's why. I forget that only God knows the heart condition of the other person. Not me. Only God knows what that person is ready to hear and receive, and what they're not ready to hear or receive. And it's a major blow against my pride to admit that I'm helpless and hopeless without God. Because growing up in the United States, whether you're aware of it or not, we are taught from an early age that we have to prove our worth to others. That we have to prove our worth to be accepted and to be loved. And so to serve this God that accepts us and loves us and helps us without us doing anything, it is difficult for us to receive when we've done nothing to deserve it. Thankfully, we have a God that knows we could never be capable of fixing ourselves. So in the midst of extreme darkness, what does he do? He gives us light. He gives us the light of the world. Here's what Isaiah 9, the next part, says. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Here's what Keller had to say about this great light. He said, the message of Christianity is this. Things really are this bad. And we can't heal or save ourselves. Things really are this dark. Nevertheless, there is hope. The Christmas message is that on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Notice that it doesn't say, from the world a light has sprung, but upon the world a light has dawned. It has come from the outside. There is a light outside of this world, and Jesus brought that light to save us. Indeed, he is the light. In a world filled with darkness, a light had to come from the outside to save us and offer us hope. And what is that hope? What is the true hope of the message of Christmas? Well, here it is. It is the declaration that we cannot save ourselves apart from the saving work of Christ. It is the realization that we've been given the greatest gift that the world has ever known through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
It is a gift that makes us swallow every ounce of our pride because we understand that we are so messed up and lost that the only thing that could save us from our depravity was for the Son of God to come to us and rescue us. There is no room for pride or arrogance in the message of Christmas. And beyond the present reality of the blessings that we have, our salvation, our forgiveness of sins, we have a future hope to look forward to. The hope that one day we know he will make everything right. He will wipe away every tear, take away our pain, suffering. All violence will be removed. All things will be made new. And it is in this hope that we can find rest for our souls. And we can find peace and strength knowing that even though we suffer now every single day, one day all things will be made new. And our response to that can only be gratitude and thanksgiving. And it should bring us to our knees because only Christians, listen to this, no other religion, only Christians can claim a God that came to us, died for us, and offers intimacy with us as his children. Only Christians can claim that God. And that is the hope of Christmas. Praise God. Good gosh, man, this is such good stuff. Mm. And in order for us to have true hope, we have to understand hopelessness. I know that sounds kind of weird at first, but in order for us to have true hope, we have to understand hopelessness. And being separated from Christ is the definition of hopelessness. Living apart from the saving work of Christ is hopelessness. We can try to fix ourselves, but that's never going to pan out. It's never going to work because only Christ can heal broken hearts. And so for those of us that claim to follow Christ, we have to remind ourselves of how we are hopeless without him and how all of us at one point were hopeless before we received his gift. And the Apostle Paul paints a very well, a great picture of this in the book of Ephesians 2. So if you would turn with me in your Bibles real quick as we slowly start to wrap up. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 5. It should be page 1066 if you're using a pew Bible. Ephesians 2, starting in verse 1, says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Every single one of us were dead and hopeless because of our sins. But in the midst of our hopelessness, Christ came to us and rescued us. And this gift is extended to all people. Every single person that has ever lived is welcomed into the family of God. It doesn't matter what we've done, what we've said, where we've been. The net is cast wide. And every person that has ever lived is welcomed into the family 
of Christ. If we repent and trust him, he will cover our sins and draw us into intimacy. So have you received this great hope? There's a lot of you here I don't know. Have you received this great hope and this gift of Christ? Maybe you've forgotten how hopeless you once were and you need a reminder to correct the posture of your heart to be filled again with gratitude and thanksgiving. During this Advent season, my hope and prayer is that we fix our eyes on the light of the world and realize that we have been given the greatest gift of all time and that it is our privilege and responsibility to share that gift with a hurting world who desperately needs the hope that we've experienced as his beloved children. Let's pray together. God, you are so good. God, we take your love and acceptance into your family for granted so often. I'm so guilty for it. I just take your life and death and the example you've set for me for granted. God, remind us how hopeless we are without you. How lost we once were, God. And maybe for those of us here that are still completely lost and living apart from you, God, open our eyes to see how much we need you. And we have nothing. We are helpless without you, God. You are a good father. And the only response, the only proper response is one of gratitude, God. And just praise of just laying down our life. It is the least we can do for all that you've done for us. Our life is a gift, God. So God, I pray that this Advent season we will be reminded of the sacrifice and the love and the grace that you have showed us, God. And for those that haven't received it, God, I pray that you would draw our hearts towards you and that we would accept your invitation to be in your family and to sit at your dinner table and enjoy your goodness and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and stand with us as we sing one last song.